0: Hi, this is Natalie Hoffman of FlyingFreeNow.com, and you're listening to The Flying Free Podcast, a support resource for women of faith looking for hope and healing from hidden emotional and spiritual abuse. Welcome to Episode 124 of The Flying Free Podcast. Today I thought we'd do something a little bit different And what I decided to do is curate some of the questions and answers from a recent Q&A that we did inside of the Flying Free Sisterhood program and put them together into a little podcast episode. Um, So these questions, okay, so every month in the Flying Free Sisterhood program, we do these Q&As, it's two hours worth. Of basically the members submit their questions and then I go through and answer them for a couple of hours. And then people can watch the replays. You can go back and watch years worth of replays if you want to. But I thought I would just pull some from a recent QA. I do need to let you know that the questions sometimes reveal who the person is or what their situation is, as far as like, you know, their location or maybe their kids' ages, that kind of thing. I did strip all of that out of these questions for the podcast because this is. A public podcast, um, so that there's no. um, The questions are very general. They're they're the similar kinds of questions that we get on a regular basis. You wouldn't be able to tell who it was because so many women have these same exact questions. So I just want to reassure you of that kind of privacy aspect there. Um, But and also the very first question that I answer, I didn't even put the question in there. There was too many. Um, identifiers in there. So this very first answer that we're going to start with, the question was about um, if your husband has, like what if your husband has a mental health issue? Like maybe he has Asperger's or he has, um, you know, he's on the autism spectrum or maybe he has a personality disorder or something like that. If he's got like a mental health issue, then is it, okay, is it okay for him to be abusive or do, does the woman need to put up with that kind of abuse and where can she have bound? you know, what kind of boundaries can she have if he's got like a diagnosis, okay? So, that was the first question and I'm going I'm to, we're going to start by answering that and then we're going to continue through this podcast, just question, answer, question, answer. Okay, are you guys ready to dive in? Here we go. So what I always say is it doesn't really matter why the person is abuse is choosing to abuse another person. It doesn't matter why it doesn't matter if they had a bad childhood or whatever. There's, there's literally billions of people on this planet who have bad childhoods and they're not all abusers or, or they don't all choose to abuse. Um, So, and it doesn't, and if they have a personality disorder, so that's why they abuse. Okay. Well, that's why, but it doesn't change anything for you. And my job is to help you figure things out for your life. That's your job. Actually, that's not really my job. That's your job. And my job is just to support you in doing that. Okay. So, You're looking for signs of recovery. I would say not, I would say to stop looking at him. One of the things I noticed, even in the flying higher group, which is for divorced women, they're already divorced, is there's so much focus and obsession about, and it's normal. I mean, this is a survivor thing, right? About the man. We're all focused on him, we're all focused on his healing focused on changing him so that you can stay with him, focused on it's him, 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 him. And the only way you're ever going to, you're, you're basically, he's like a millstone around your neck. And as long as you hang on to that millstone, you're going to get dragged to the bottom of the ocean. Your only hope of ever being free and flying is to disconnect from that millstone and let him have his millstone self. And, and he might sing to the bottom of the ocean, but that's his choice. But you get to decide if you want to sink with him or if you want to fly. And I'm not saying that you have to divorce or separate in order to fly. I'm saying the first step to flying is flying internally, inside of you. It's making that, discon- it's disconnecting from that, from that other person, disconnecting from their psyche. So an illustration that I often use to show this is, let me just quick um, pull this up here. Is this? some of you have seen this and some of you. So for those who haven't though, there's two different people. This is you over here. I probably should have made it a different color. This is you over here. Okay. And you have your universe and he has his only, you know, what happens. What happens in an abusive relationship is that you both share the same universe, all right. And that leads to all kinds of problems as you've probably noticed. So, the challenge is going to be to disconnect from the other person. I would say in my mar- my healthy marriage, what a healthy relationship looks like is it looks like this. It looks like I have me, he has him, and then there's a little bit of overlap in the middle where we share. We share some things like this is kind of our shared space, but I'm still my own person. And if something were to happen to him, it would, it would be sad and I would grieve, but it would not shake the core, the foundation of who I am as a human being, because my foundation is not wrapped up in another human being, even though we're very close and we have a great relationship. But my, in my former relationship, my brain and my universe was all about him. Everything he said, I assumed must be true. When Tom says something, I don't just assume it's true. I'm just like, well, that's what Tom thinks. <laughs> that's fascinating. But I don't think that I have to believe that or buy into that at all. Tom and I have a lot of different, uh, we are much different in, in our perspectives and our opinions than my ex and I were. Um, but Tom and I get along so much better because he's fine with me having my ideas, and I'm fine with him having his. There's like a, a respect there. So um, back to the question, though. So as far as your recovery, your recovery does not your recovery does not depend on his recovery. First of all, you need to understand that. And secondly, his recovery is completely in his. That's completely his responsibility. How are you going to know if he's recovered? You'll know by how heat out it makes you feel in your body when you're with him. When you're when I'm with Health. you'll you probably have noticed this. Do you ever, do you have friends, good friends that you know that you're just completely safe? You can let your hair down with them. You know that they're going to love you no matter what. You can just be yourself with them. And you've always been that way. Maybe you've had a lifelong friend that you've always had that kind of relationship with that, with them or a lifelong or a sister or brother that you, that you have a relationship like that with. So you'll feel that way with the other person. You'll know that they've recovered when you know I'm safe with this other person. And again, you'll feel it in your body. So our physical brains are able to pick up on stuff that our um, that we consciously may not uh, understand or be aware of. That's why, have you ever been in, in a situation where you've felt, sensed that there's some kind of danger? When I was in college, I was everyone was gone but i was at school i hadn't left yet they had gone on vaca- christmas vacation and i was in the library way at the back of the library looking for a book before i left and there was someone else close to me and i didn't know i didn't recognize him but i felt danger i was wearing a skirt and i could sense that he was kind of getting down it seemed like he was getting down to look at a book behind me at the shelf behind me and my brain was screaming at me There's a problem. There's a problem. There's a problem. And I was saying consciously going, it's not that big of a deal, Natalie, for crying out loud. What are you, what's your problem? And I looked down and he was actually on his hands and knees, looking up my skirt. So that was, I mean, I was in college. That was my, thankfully that was my first and well, not my only experience, but my first experience being violated in that kind of a way. And, um, what I'm the point that I'm trying to make is that our bodies can sense, even though my brain couldn't see him, I couldn't see him, my body knew what was going on in that space. Your body knows that too. So trust, listen to your body. Part of growing and and healing is actually come becoming more in tune and self-aware of what your brain and your body are trying to tell you. That God gave those things to you as gifts for a reason. So, and we've been told and taught that we shouldn't listen to. Listen to that, that those are evil things for some reason. And um, the heart is evil and deceptive and who can know it. They take Bible verses and they twist them out of context in order to neutralize women and to keep us in place positions of unsafety so that we can be used and abused for other purposes. So that's a bigger picture of what's going on, but I'm just letting you know that. So um, next question. I've moved out of the marital home. I'm now in the, in the apartment. I'm really unsure of everything. I've lost all sense of hope, future thinking, and even if life can get better, the feelings I had in my marriage were of neglect something I endured in origin family. Also, I sit with sad of this and find it difficult to shift past it. I am afraid of slipping into depression. I can feel the other side of myself full of excitement and I struggle to help them meet. Okay. Okay. So one of the things that we do when when I teach you guys the model in Lesson 1.7 is I teach you that our brains run on autopilot on a program and that we have the opportunity to see them. All the model does, it's super simple. It just holds up a mirror. I wish I had a mirror right now to show you. All it does is hold up a mirror that says, this is what your brain's programming is. This is what your brain's programming is. That's the T line. So when things like this happen, this is what you generally think, because that's your brain's programming. So of course you think that. And when you think that, you generally feel like this. And when you generally feel like that, you generally do these things. And when you generally do these things, you generally have these results. And around and around and around and around it goes. It's just a mirror. That's all it is, you guys. It's life changing because the only way you can change your life is if you can have self awareness. Most people do not have self awareness. They do not see their programming nor do they want to. They just don't want to. It's too painful. And they don't want to, and if they do see it they don't want to change it cuz brains don't want to change. Your brain's going to tell you, give you all the 500,000 reasons not to look at this and change anything. This is hard work, you guys. This is hard work, but it changes lives. And it can change yours too, but you have to be willing to do the work, okay? All right, the circumstance doesn't have to change and it won't change, which is good news because you don't have any control over that anyways. You thought, let's circumstance, let's say it's an abusive guy, husband. You thought, well, sure, I can change the circumstance. All I have to do is change. Your thought was, I can change him if I just say it the right way. If I just act the right way, if I just do the right things and, and think the right things and say the right things, then I can change the circumstance. That is what your brain's programming tells you. And when your brain's programming tells you that, you feel a certain way. All right. You feel hope, probably. And that hope makes you do all of these things that you think you have to do. And then you get, you know, what result you get? The same result. And it never changes the circumstance because that's not what happens. Our beliefs, we can believe till the cows come home that our husband can change or that God's gonna do a miracle. We can believe till the cows come home that elephants can float over colorful rainbows. That doesn't make it happen. Could God make an elephant, an elephant, go over a rainbow? What do you guys think? Of course he can. God can do anything. All he has to do is think the thought and it happens. God constrains himself, okay? I don't know why, he just does, all right? So we can't think, that. and also God is not a puppet master. He didn't make people and then say, oh, goody, I'm going to make a bunch of Lego characters and then I'm going to move them around and do whatever the hell I want to do with them. God doesn't do that. That's what abusive people do. God is not an abuser. So he's not going to control your husband like a Lego character. Your husband's going to control you like a Lego character, but God's not going to do that. And God's not going to control you that way either. If you want to keep your programming, guess what? God's going to let you keep your programming and God's going to love you with all of his big heart, 100% with your programming. Nothing you do or think or believe, you can believe God doesn't exist. He still loves you. 100, yeah, that's not going to change how he, he's not going to go, oh, she's starting to have doubts that I exist. Hmm, maybe I don't like her so much anymore. No, that's what abusive people do. That's what we do as humans. That's not God. God's so much bigger than that, you guys. All right. Pastors and pe- religious people, they just like bring God down to our size. It's just gross. He's not like that. All right. So the model shows you what your programming is. And then you, once you see it, you get all these light bulbs and you go, yeah, that's what I believe. And then you get to decide, I don't really think I like those results anymore. What can I do about this? What can I? And, the, and I'll tell you, this right here is your power right here in the T line. You change your programming. It does not happen overnight, but I'm telling you, it happens a lot faster than you might imagine. You can change your programming a lot faster if you like make efforts to do it. That means that you don't just have a thought and go, yeah, that's true. I could think about it that way and walk away and never think it again. Okay. You have to practice the thought. You have to write it down. And then every time you're tempted to think the other thought, the programmed thought, you flip it upside down and you replace it with the new thought that your brain also believes. And pretty soon you're going to find that all of that, that old, you guys, I don't believe even remotely the things I used to believe 10 years ago. I don't even believe them. Like I think of those things and I'm, I think that's so ridiculous. You, what you're, what's happening here with this gal's question is she's feeling part of herself is feeling the excitement. That's the part of herself who's thinking new thoughts. But then the other part of herself, which is the, the programmed part of herself, is thinking the old thoughts still. And she's not really sure how she can't really put those together. There's some cognitive dissonance there. And there will be until she practices more and more practices the, old th- the new thoughts and less and less gives airtime to the old thoughts. And then also, I was just going to say, if you feel like you're slipping into depression, I definitely recommend that you see a family doctor and that you possibly get on medication because that can really help you pull out of it. I'm not on medication anymore, but I did use it for a few years to help me get through some really sticky. It wasn't just the divorce process. It ended up being all of the fallout after it, a lot of stress with my kids, older kids and that kind of thing. And it was really helpful to be on some medication during that time, like super helpful. All right, my husband and I have been separated for almost three years. In that time frame, he has not one time asked to meet to talk, has not addressed our relationship at all, or what is the next step, etc. Prior to our separation, we were living under the same roof, separated. My fear in separating was exactly this that we would continue to live in the same way, only now under two roofs. He makes no decisions, speaks into nothing, has not an opinion. This is very confusing to me he isn't a typical abuser. I don't think at least he isn't demanding or egotistical or attention seeking. And yet he has control in subtle ways. That's called a covert abuser, by the way. As I said, this leaves me confused and questioning the situation and playing the tapes, excuse me, of my responsibility in my mind. I feel stuck. And this seems so weird to me. It leaves me questioning everything. Is this abuse or is it just a really bad marriage? Well, I think it's both. <laughs> I don't think it's a marriage at all, actually. So basically what you're doing is you're living as if you're divorced, but you're not. And um, what I'd like to offer you to think about is that your husband, you thought that separation was going to change your husband, but it didn't. And it doesn't, you guys. Separation doesn't change people. People change themselves because they make a decision to change. So now you know, after three years, after 30 plus years, with three years of a separation, you know that your husband is a duck because he just keeps on quacking. You keep on thinking that he's going to be a kitty cat, that if you just give him enough time, he will start to meow. But the guy's a duck and he's going to quack until he dies. Okay. He is a duck through and through. His duckness is always going to be there. Whether you separate, stay married, get divorced, he will always be the duck that he is. I'm not calling him a duck. I'm trying to show you guys a parallel. Okay, I'm trying to I'm trying to illustrate this with you with a metaphor. So, you just have to decide, do I want to do I want the duck or not? If you want a cat, you're going to have to get away from the duck. Or if you don't want anything, maybe you don't want a pet at all. Again, I'm keeping up with the metaphor. I'm not saying husbands are pets. Um, so that it's just—it just just boils down to making a decision and saying, "I." But please accept the fact that your husband is who he is. He has been trying to show you this for thirty plus years, and your programming just keeps insisting that it must not be true. It must not be true. It's true. It's true. Your job is to figure out what you're going to do about that trueness, that truth for you. That's all you can do. You can't change the duck and make him into a kitty cat. All right. My husband says I'm not building trust by not giving him my email passwords. <laughs> of course he says that. Of course, this makes me feel like the bad guy, even though I tell him I just want to have my own space to process things without being interrogated interrogated by, interrogated by him. This is an ongoing discuss- discussion. What should I do? There's really nothing for you to do. Your husband has a thought that it's not okay for you to do that. So, okay. So this is the circumstance is, you know, I wife didn't give me her email passwords. His thought is wife is bad and his feeling is mad. And his action is tells wife, you have to give me these, these passwords or else you're a bad guy. And then his result for his life is, you know, he's all disconcerted and lots of drama in his brain. Okay? That's his model. Poor guy. Like, just let him have his model. <laughs> let him spin around in his little, his little tornado. You don't have to be part of that. You're an adult. You have, so you have email passwords. Like, that's what most adults do. I don't let my husband look at my email either, and I have an amazeballs husband. Okay, my husband would never ask me for my passwords, ever. He would never dream of that because he's a a decent, uh, because he's an adult, okay? (laughs) Because he's an adult and he knows we are adults. We have our own passwords. We let our kids have their own passwords, okay? We don't, not our, you know, little kids, but it's just, that's just called respect, respect. Now, abusers don't have this. Abusers are little boys in adult bodies who have temper tantrums because they want to control all the sand in the sandbox. And that's my shovel and my pail. And you can't have it. And if you're going to take it from me, I'm going to take some sand and I'm going to throw it in your face. Okay? And you can't play in my sandbox unless you play by my rules. And we can just step back from that and go and have kind of pity for them that they're stuck in emotional childhood. That doesn't mean we have to be stuck there. We don't have to be stuck there. We don't have to play that game. We can be the teacher that's on the outside of the sandbox that looks down and says, and the little boy's looking up and saying, you're a dummy teacher. You're so dumb. And we can just, like, that's amusing. We don't go step back and go, oh my gosh, I'm dumb. Oh my word. I got my master's degree. I think I know how to teach, but maybe I don't because this five-year-old said I was dumb. Maybe I'm dumb. That's not. So I'm just trying to to help you to separate yourself from his little imaginary universe where he's pretending that you're a bad person because you don't give him your email password. That's ridiculous. You're not ridiculous. He's ridiculous. All right. Is this content resonating with you? I've written a book for women of faith in destructive relationships called, Is It Me? Making Sense of Your Confusing Marriage, A Christian Woman's Guide to Hidden Emotional and Spiritual Abuse. You can read reviews and find out more about my book on Amazon.com. It comes in paperback, Kindle, and Audible formats. And new for 2020, I've created a companion workbook for Is It Me? also available on Amazon. This workbook is like 11 power-packed therapy sessions to help you process through the important material you'll be learning from my book. These books are recommended by counselors and therapists all over the United States. I've also got a website specifically focused on helping women of faith find hope and healing. It's called FlyingFreeNow.com. I'll even give you the first chapter of my book and the first chapter of my companion workbook for free. When you hop on my mailing list at the top of my website, those two resources are going to help you figure out if your relationship is normal or destructive. And now let's get back to our episode what are some things you did to check and confirm that your husband had not changed? When my husband is love bombing or pretending to care, I begin to question reality. If I don't rock the boat, things will go smoothly. And that's, that's just it right there, okay? Do you want to know how you can know if your husband has changed? Rock the boat and see what happens. If you say no to him, if you rock the boat and he just goes with the flow, just loves on you anyway and accepts that you have a different opinion and... And rolls with it like an adult human being, then you'll know, wow, the guy's changed. He's grow- all grown up now. I can sit down and have a meeting of the minds. I can be my own person. I can be myself. I'm totally safe with him. Then he's changed. But if you rock the boat and he has a cow about it, then he's not changed. It's just really as simple as that. And no, you are not she says to I, See, he's changing and really listening to his therapist and men's support group. Okay, that's not change. Just because he's listening to someone, to his therapist, all that is is just like getting other getting more flying monkeys to be on his side. That's just a strategy. That's not change. When I confronted the abuse and set boundaries and changed the narrative. This sent things topsy-turvy in our relationship, right? Because you pull out the card in the house of cards, causing him to be even more raging. Because you're not supposed to do that. Like, leave the card in there. Um, Thus, giving me the impetus to leave and separate. Since that time, he's pushed every boundary and fought this separation until this last month. All of a sudden, he said the following, I believe we need to be separated. And you can't put a timeline on healing, Um, These are my exact words. This is called parodying, which abusers love to parrot. And I need to figure out if I want to be married to you. Again, he's totally parodying you. He's really starting to work on his stuff, and he finally has a good therapist. He's reading books on codependency, childhood trauma. This is just the background to my question. My question involves trauma bonding. He's now reading a book called The Betrayal Bond, Breaking Free from Exploitative Relationships on Trauma Bonding in Toxic Relationships. His mantra has always been that he has apologized for his behavior, and I continue to tell him how bad he is. My question is, am I the one who's causing the trauma that he is trauma bonded to me? I know I'm not always perfect in how I've responded to him. Maybe I am expressing my boundaries in too harsh of a manner. I see that he's changing and really listening to his therapist and men's support group. Is it possible I'm missing my responsibility here? Okay. So, I mean, maybe only you know that answer to that. Because I have not been a fly on the wall in your house. Um, Is he really changing if he's really changing? So you're able to, you know, confront him about things, give him feedback about stuff in a kind way. And is he having a cow about it? Is he arguing with you? Is he saying it's all your fault? Is he blame shifting? Is he denying? Is he justifying? Is he minimizing? Um, If he's really changed, then um, he will, he won't minimize things anymore. Then he will own his own stuff. Okay. And you know, one thing that he won't say anymore is he won't say, well, you blah, 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 blah. He'll stop saying that because it will just be about him owning his stuff. Okay. And now you have to go back and I don't, I don't know what your situation is. I mean, I know mine, so I don't want to project what happened to me onto you and say that what happened to me happened to you. I do know that I did yell. I did swear. Like he would always say mine was, mine would never swear. He, he did yell, but he would never swear. And he would, and usually if I would yell more trying to get him to, you know, he would get quieter and quieter and more jabby in a really quiet, covert way, because he knew that he could push my buttons. And when I started disconnecting from him so that he couldn't push my buttons anymore, that's when he started getting angrier and angrier. So you need to, again, you're focused so much on him. And on his change, and on it's like we have this just obsession with these men, and that is a trauma bond, all right. Whether or not he has a trauma bond with you, I don't know, and it's not really your business or my business. It really isn't. That's his model. He gets to work that out with his counselor and stuff. You need to work on your model, and and on your building that. You know, getting your universe, your head, your garden, nice and healthy and nurtured. Loving yourself, taking good care of yourself, having healthy boundaries. Say, speaking your truth, being kind. See, the more the kinder you are, and the more um, generosity you have towards yourself, the kinder and the more generous you're going to be with other people, including your husband, even when he's an asshole. You'll still because you because you'll be like you'll be like the teacher with the child in the sandbox. You'll be like, oh, honey. It's so adorable that you think I'm like a little dummy, but honey, we need to get you in the, you need to come inside now because you're not playing very nice. Okay. It'd be more like that, but we can still, the teacher can still have compassion and love for the dirty little boy in the sandbox rather than this, like, don't say those things to me. Oh my word, you shouldn't say those things to me. I'm not that way. I know I'm smart. You know what I mean? We don't have to get defensive or upset or angry when someone says stuff like that to us. So if you can disconnect your universe from his universe so that you don't have that trauma bond, so that you don't buy into his pretend world of what he believes that you are, and you just be your own self, let him get his own help. I always get a little nervous when someone says they think their husband might be abusive, but he's getting help and he's like reading books and stuff that are about abusive. Because what can happen is they can actually learn all the the verbiage and the language and the whatever and then use it against you. And that can happen too. And that can create a lot of cognitive distance and confusion for the victim as well. Because we tend to be people who are much more self-aware and also we don't want to be, we, want, we love our husbands and we really want what's best for them. And we want what's best for the marriage. And we are always all in on making the whole thing work. And they typically aren't. They're typically more very, They're more than willing to give all the responsibility to us. And so, um, you need to let go of that responsibility and let him just own his own stuff and you just own your own stuff and try to get, keep things as separate as possible. You're going to, I'm not sure if you're, let's see, I don't know if you've been here for a long time or not, but if you're new, you will, all of this will become much more clear as you go through this program. Okay. I can't, this program is like the river of misery. (laughs) I don't even know why people are in this program, but anyway, it's like a river of misery and you will, you don't know, like you are going to be a different person by the time you're done with it. A year from now, when you're, when you're done, pretty much done with the program, you will, um, you will be a different person, I promise, okay? All right, the last, the last question. I can't believe we got through all these questions. I've decided to stay with my emotional and religious abuser because I don't have the resilience to move out yet. How can I grow that while living with him? Okay, so here's what I would do if I was you. First of all, I know your brain is saying, oh, I'm muted, I don't have a voice, but you do. And the first place that you're gonna use your voice is inside of your own universe with you, okay? that's how you're going to start building it. You're going to secretly build your life while you're still living in that prison. Have you ever seen movies like where you've got someone in a, like a woman in a prison or even a man in a prison and while he's there, he's lift, you know, he's like doing what he can to lift weights. He's getting strong. He's preparing himself for life outside of prison. That's what you're doing. Your youngest is 14. That means you've got four more years before your kids are of age and that you won't have any custody issues. Okay. So, like what I would do here's what I would do if I was in your shoes. I would start thinking of this like I'm in prison for four years. I've got a four year prison sentence and I am going to be so badass strong by the time I get out. This world will not know what hit it. So, you're not muting your voice like to because that's who you are and that's what you're aligned with you are biding your time you are growing your voice and making it stronger inside of yourself so what i want you to do is do what i tell i tell everyone to do this and i do it myself you're going to start talking yourself in the mirror all right you're going to start using your voice and practicing your voice in the mirror with yourself and with your kids, you can speak your truth with your kids too at times, right? And you can teach them, be a good example to them, okay? Um, and you can, you can learn how to set good boundaries with your husband while you're in the relationship. For yourself, good boundaries doesn't mean that you control someone else and what they do. Good boundaries just means that when he goes off the rails, you get, out, you get the Sam heck out of there. Like, I'm not going to hang around you. You know what? If you're going to be like that right now, go right ahead. You have every right to be that way. That's how you want to show up in life. Have at it. But I am not going to stand here and ha- I'm not going to hang out with you when you're like this. Or let's just I'll just give you a random example. I know this is probably not something in your life, but um, you know, he complains about the food at dinner time. I don't like it when you make this. You need to have meat in our food. I don't like a vegetarian meal. Well, guess what? Thank you for sharing your input, but I'm the one who put this meal together for you and you either eat it without complaining or you make your own meal the next time. In fact, because you complained, I'm going out to eat tomorrow night. You and the kids can fend for yourselves, but I'm going out to a really expensive restaurant and I'm going to have my favorite chicken cacciatore or whatever it is. And I am going to stuff my face and be super, super happy tomorrow night. And I'm going to do that every single time you complain so go right ahead i hope you do i hope you complain all the time cuz i love chicken catchatori i mean that's i'm being sarc- i'm i'm being sarcastic again okay i'm being over the top here but what i'm trying to do is tell is show you how you can get stronger and learn how to not play the game but learn strategies and tactics that help you to flex those emotional muscles and gets, and being in this program is gonna help you do that, all right? Kind of look at this program as being like your workout place, your gym for your voice and for your inner strength. And then four years from now, when you're ready to get out, you can make that decision and you can just like launch into your amazing future. And there you have it. You can kind of see that I let my hair down a little bit more behind the scenes with the members of Flying Free. If you'd like to join us, head over to joinflyingfree.com where you can get all the information and get on the waiting list. We'd love to have you join us the next time we open up. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I look forward to seeing you again next week. And until then, fly free.